Yes! Over the line! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I want winners. I call that bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. And here are your hosts, RJ Young and Brandon Drum. Okay, so we're back again doing the podcast. Stuff happens. Look, we were going to record a podcast last Thursday and then, well, uh, not one but two commitments. And we probably should start right there with Brian Darby and Seth McGowan. Um, I don't know about you, Brandon, but like we kind of felt like Seth McGowan would happen, especially the day that it happened. Then Brian Darby just kind of hit me in the face. Yeah, the Darby thing. Look, let me tell you something. The Darby thing wasn't that out of, you know, left field, but it was just because it happened, I guess, back-to-back so fast with him getting offered and then him committing because I talked to him the day that he got offered, and he said, I want to get up there and visit, you know, but this is a huge offer for me. It's bigger than anything else. I grew up a Texas A&M fan, obviously going to – uh, Texas A&M, I think it's called Consolidated, Consolidated yeah, yeah. In, a, in College Station, the high school there. And he said, look, they're not going to offer me. because I go, what about A&M? What if they offer you? He goes, that's not happening. They're not offering. They've got their guys that they want, but OU wants me, and I really, really like that fact. I would love to go to college and kind of shove it in their face. And I said, is that going to be at Oklahoma? And he said, probably. I said, when are you going to announce? He goes, I want to visit first, but if it gets to that point – and I decide I just want to throw my name in the hat and get it over with. I'm going to do it. Now, I didn't think it was going to be the very next day, but it was. And there he is. I mean, three-star. Kind of a guy, if you watch his film, you can see why OU offered him. Uh, he's really good. Um, has a lot of raw ability. Not the greatest route runner, but he's a guy that you can tell that once he gets his skills refined, he's going to be really good. Uh, he's got some good speed, great hands, uh, decent size. I mean, he's not the biggest, not the smallest either. So, I mean, it's he is what they've looked for. And and let me let's clarify this: they're not going to get the best of the best of the best. They they might get one dude that's really high rated as far as wide receivers goes this year. But to follow the class that they had last year and the guys they had the year before, probably not going to happen. Just just saying that, like it's. It's getting harder. I would say that the 2021 class, and that's kind of where it's leading with Cody Jackson, a potential five-star, already committed to him, and then really leading in a big way with Latrell Neville uh, out of Missouri City, uh, 2021 four-star, soon to be five-star, I'm sure, uh, wide receiver. So uh, they'll probably get both of those guys. And then kind of, you know, the 2022 class is going to look as good wide receiver-wise, except for... Look, Rosk, uh, Relique Brown, I mean, my God, if we can get into that later, if they can get him, man, it's unbelievable. Well, thinking about Darby and then thinking about Trevin West and then thinking about – Yeah, so we didn't – I didn't say Trevin West. Right, so and, then, we, but, uh, and then thinking about DJ Graham, and I know that that dude can go either way depending on how the defensive class – He told class. me he's, he's DB. Well, he told me the other day I'm he's still going to say I got different information that it's still up. Okay. It also depends on what Neville does. It depends on what uh, uh, Bryson Washington does. Like I got, you got yours. I got mine. We'll see how it comes out in the wash. There's always some moving pieces to this. But my contention here is what what it's not even that 
Oklahoma's not getting five-star wide receivers, and I get that the odd number classes are going to get better. They're going to probably be better than the even number classes because you're always going to be able to just get that gap year where dudes don't feel like they need to follow behind Theo Weiss, Trajan Bridges, or Jaden Hazelwood, or what have you. Quarterback's a prime example. Right, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But it ain't like these dudes are absolutely 100% ready to go players, and I think that's what's scary to people is that of the three— and I'm including DJ Graham in this argument for this for this reason. Where is the true blue wideout even at, at H? Like, like where's the guy that you expect to compete for a starting position in 2020? And the answer is there ain't one. And that I think yeah. is what's upsetting to <laughs> OU fans is you got a bunch you got three projects at wide receiver where you're used to having six foot three, six foot four dudes that are ready to play right now. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm with you. And the, the other issue is is J- Jalen uh, McClellan. I mean, he's uh, Jace. I don't Jace. J- no, no, Jalen. Uh, oh, I, uh, I know what you're talking I, about now. My bad. Uh, yeah, to Fresno. Yeah, to Fresno. Uh, uh, J- uh, Jalen Huff, not Huff. No, goodness, McMillan. McMillan. <laughs> McMillan. Goodness me, dude. What am I doing today? Right? I'm so out of it. Okay. Anyways, remembering a thousand names right now, and I just can't. Do it. Yeah, Jalen McMillan. You might as well. Uh, I don't see that happening with Oklahoma right now. Like I did for the longest time, and now it looks like watch. I let's put it this way: if McMillan had his druthers, he would be a Sooner. His family, on the other hand, uh, they want him to stay out on the West Coast. So there's a battle going on, and I don't know that OU is going to put up with it for much longer. And I I say that because they're going to continue to recruit him, obviously. It's just kind of like the Zach Evans thing. Like, you're going to, you know, feel the call from Zach Evans, but you're not going to actively go out of your way to at this at this juncture to really pursue the guy. You know what I mean? That's just not where, that's not where it's at. Um, interesting thing was told to me yesterday, though, that uh, a person that's pretty well keyed in told me that, look, Lincoln Riley still talks to Zach Evans quite a bit. So I, I if it's not happening, people. Let's just say that, but they aren't going to close that door just as a just in case type deal. And if you're going to have a backup, and it being a dude that's ranked that high, you know that's pretty. It's pretty good backup. That's how good a situation OU is in the running back because last year they didn't take the high high guy because they got those the year before. You see, it's just it all depends on your position. Like you were saying, the odd the odd years are at some positions are better than the even years and and vice versa so following up top tier guys in every class is almost impossible alabama takes three stars i mean that's just where well, that's, that's reality if you're situation. gonna call jaquez robinson a three star i mean we got to go on the high end no that, i'm just I'm, that, I'm talking well, about that's an example is what i'm saying is because that dude yeah. is every bit of six foot two playing cornerback and he's rated oh, three yeah, stars because camps and stuff but like I, I'm not going to say that all three stars are the same, just as I'm not going to say that all five yeah, stars are the exactly. same. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. But they're not as big name as those other guys. And you're not going to be able, Alabama has to do it all the time. And guess what? Those three stars sometimes turn out better than those five stars. Josh it's Jacobs just, would be a prime example of that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and, 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 and that's, that's the thing, right? And it's really difficult to get excited about projects at any position. But this is a project year for Oklahoma. And I, I'm saying that now because we're we're halfway through the cycle, 
and I feel confident in looking around and looking at what OU's putting together and looking at where the offers are and the guys that seem to be OU lean. Yeah. And the guys that you need to be ready to play right away, they're recruiting hard and they seem to be getting. Like, you need to have your running backs ready to go. And you got a, you got the strongest tandem in the class by far right now. But at defensive back, Ryan Watts is going to be ready to go, right? DJ Graham ends up on that side of the ball. He's going to be ready to go. But yeah. when you look at wide out, you have time, and you can, you, can, you can take a chance on a guy like Brian Darby, and you can also put the screws to him if you need to and say this is a hard offer for the next week. And then after that, yeah. you might have to come out here and earn it again, right? Because he picked that up at a satellite camp, yeah. which is ridiculously hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, because, no, it, um, it is. So, Chris Roberson's the last person I can remember doing that. Right. Like, he was already a big name right. before that happened. And, and I think, you know, Darby could end up being a player. They could all end up being players, but it's really difficult to say that because we're also talking about, like, Nate Anderson at offensive tackle. Absolute project. Everybody understands that just by his sheer potential – He'll probably end up uh, close to five-star. I don't think he'll get there, but he'll get close. And the reason he wouldn't be there is because he does not already have the bearing of a true yeah. blue offensive tackle. He's going to grow into that role while at Oklahoma. Right. But look well, across the board and you say, okay, you don't have a quarterback in the class. That tells you. That tells me how important this class was in relation to 2019, in relation to 2017, even in relation to 2018. Because Tanner yeah. Mordecai was in the boat by this time in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, OU has built up the depth. They built up the talent. And now they're just trying to fill in the gaps at this point with this class. I think 2021 is already shaping up to look like that. It's going to be a class where they really go all in and really – you know, reload with a bunch of top tier talent coming in. Now don't don't let's not get this misconstrued. This Oklahoma class and, and this is where the program's at. And this ought to this ought to make fans feel at ease. We're talking about this class not being as ballyhooed and yet it's still gonna be probably between four and eight, nine when it's all said and done. Their offensive line class they're bringing in and, and just like you were saying, like last the twenty the 2019 offensive line class isn't as ballyhooed as 2018, right? Well, this 2020 class is going to be ridiculous as far as what Bill Beaton was bringing in. So, I mean, it, it and it he has so many options. And and the other crazy part, and I think it's a tight end position, which is nuts because they brought in Austin Stogner, and then the year before that, you brought in Grant Calcaterra, and the year before that, you know, it, it, you know that uh, the year before that they brought in uh, Willis. Uh, Brayden Willis, right? And then the year before that, Calcaterra. Well, this year they're going to be bringing another four-star and more than likely in Jalen Conyers out of Geyer or Groover or whatever his name, out of Texas. So, I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy to see what they're doing as far as, yeah, well, we're not taking big names here, but these other spots are getting the big names, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They are going to load up with talent on the defensive side of the ball. They're they're making that a priority. Offense, they know they're going to get their guys. Defense, Riley and, and that defensive staff are really honing in, and there could be some news coming later on. You know, with some another big name could be dropping on the defensive side of the ball. You well, it know. depends on what you call it, a big name, because I think that where this is headed for most folks listening to the pod is, hey, RJ. I know about the offense. I'm not really concerned about the wide receivers. I understand the value of getting Jace McClellan and Seth McGowan together. And I'm not really as 
alarmed by the lack of a quarterback commit as you are. But tell me more, this is them talking to me, about Perion Winfrey because that <laughs> dude seems like he could play. And I said, you're only saying that because he's defensive tackle. And they're like, you're Check his offer list. <laughs> but but it's like, no, but like, you know, it's like one of those Colonel Jessup things. It's like, you're goddamn right I am. You know, like it's one of those where folks yeah. are like, I don't care about the offense anymore. I really don't. I'm even not even that enthusiastic about the defensive backs anymore. Tell me where the beef is and the trenches, and Perrion Winfrey seems to be a dude that they really want to get a hold of. Yeah, uh, that guy uh, came in. I, I wrote about him two weeks ago and said, look, if, if the visit goes well, the guy will be a Sooner. And, of course, the day that he's headed in, he texts me. He says, if this goes well, boomer. And I said, what? And he goes, you heard me. If this goes well, boomer. I said, okay, well, we'll see. And, you know, there's rumors out that things could be moving in that direction sooner rather than later. Obviously, we'll see. Uh, You're on our board. We've kind of thrown out a couple hints there and here and there. But um, it wasn't just him. I mean, OU hit a home run this weekend all across the board with their visits. It was it was a good weekend for if you're a Sooners fan when it comes to recruiting. I can just tell you that. I mean, it, the staff, Riley, everybody. I mean, well, let's between... let's just let's let's hone in on some details, right? Because we talk a lot about how things go well and how things are looking, and we speak in crystal ball language. I want to talk a bit more detailed about some of the conversations that were had, particularly in the 2021 quarterback category, um, and I understand that. You have lots to be excited about because you saw a lot of dudes that you're flanking going, wow, they got this many elite dudes to show up to basically an unofficial visitor's camp. But the guys that I wanted to focus on, and I wrote about them on Insider for on Monday, were Brock Vandegrift and Caleb Williams. I thought it was interesting that Lincoln hosted two five-star quarterbacks in the same week, and only one of them has an offer. And in talking to, to, to him Brock Vandegrift, everything went well. And he basically came down here to see how he would be coached, to see how he would take the coaching, and to find out just a little bit more about the program. And, Brandon, you, you spent quite a bit of time with him. I was really enthusiastic about getting to talk to him because, yes sir, no sir, one. Two, he's a hunter and a fisher, and I, I put it to him. I said, uh, oh, so you so you noodle? He says, heck no. And I was like, okay, now, now I know who I'm dealing with. But no, just a stand-up kid, sturdy about it, doesn't really like recruiting as a, as a business, and I understand a lot of kids feel that way. Told me straight up, when he feels good, he's going to pull the trigger. He doesn't feel like playing it out. And it felt like everything that needed to go well went well when he was in Norman. Yeah, um, his dad called me... Uh, yesterday afternoon said hey why don't you come by our hotel um i will, would like you to sit down and talk with us for a little bit so i went and spent probably a good hour maybe an hour and a half with them and we just kind of talked a little bit about everything and um he brock hates the recruiting process like literally hates it and you could tell when we were talking i turned and looked and i was like dude do you hate the recruiting process he goes man i just don't like getting called from the coaches or and or reporters and he just kind of smirked over at me and I said but I haven't called you and he goes yeah I know but um he he hates it he's ready to get it over with uh he knows September 1st is going to be just 
daunting for him just because of who he is, being that he's arguably the number one quarterback in the 2021 class. And everybody in the country wants him. Now, there's three schools that stand out, and obviously I think it's obvious who they are in Oklahoma, Florida, and Georgia, right? Well, I can tell you Georgia would be last on that list, and I don't know that – just I don't foresee him ever going to Georgia. I can tell you that. Uh, but I do think that he is going to give them every opportunity to recruit him, being a hometown kid. It's just what I, that's what I'm picking up and and what I know from what I, you know, being told type deal. So, but Florida, he's been down. They they love Mullins. So I mean, they love him. Um, they like the offense. I know they've the offense has struggled, but that's due to quarterbacks. And it's gotten better last year because the quarterback play obviously got better. Um, and they think it's going to trend in that direction. And maybe Brock can take it to a different level. Whereas with Riley, they love Coach Riley. They he basically said, look, when I got that offer from Coach Riley, I knew I was something different because Riley does not offer this. And then to find out that Riley put all of his eggs in basket being just Brock, being all that he's really pursuing right now and the only 2021 offer out there that they're going after. So uh, and they haven't offered Caleb Williams, who took a visit and if OU was to offer him out of Washington, Washington D.C., Gonzaga, I think OU would be the leader for him, and he might commit, being that he wants to come back for a visit, and he doesn't even have an offer, another visit. He doesn't have an offer. I mean, that's how much he likes it. And mind you, his teammate and one of his good friends, Jay, Joseph Wede, is on Oklahoma's team already. So, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy to see just how good OU's doing with this Brock Vandegrift recruitment. And OU is the leader. I mean, that's not – nobody – everybody knows that. It's not like something you shy away. It's just when is he going to announce, when is he going to commit. And I think before September 1st, you're going to see things kind of move in the direction. It looks really good for Oklahoma going forward. I still find it fascinating that you're – that Oklahoma can be so out in front on a guy like Brock Vandergriff and you still bring in Caleb Williams. I find that fascinating because we know that the Cardinal rule in quarter – I say cardinal rule. It's about to start to get broken because the transfer portal is breaking the way college football yeah. is done. Yeah. But the rule was, till October 15, 2018, you offer one quarterback per class, and you that's the way you let that guy know you're my guy, you're the guy I mm-hmm. want. Because those guys are such commodities, and because you cannot recruit them in the way that you would recruit other positions. Now, that said, both Brock Vandegrift and Caleb Williams are five-star quarterbacks. Yep. I talk with both of them. Those <laughs> interviews will be up on the YouTube channel this week. What Their traits are similar in that they understand who they are. They have an identity unto themselves. They are low-key about recruiting. Uh, Williams doesn't like giving interviews. He doesn't like media in the same way that Vandegrift doesn't. Both are very comfortable running to throw. Both run pro-style spreads, You know, a version of Lincoln Riley's pro-raid. They're both way ahead when we're talking about concepts and understanding scheme, of both offensively and defensively. What stuck out to me was the knock on some quarterbacks is that you'll hear product of the system, but what that means is the reads are being made for them by their coaches, or they read half the field, or they there are built-in plays to where their option is always, <coughs> excuse me, I need to sneeze. Their options are always what they are. Thank you. Whereas with both Vandegrift 
and Williams, they have full control of the offense at the line of scrimmage. They have full authority to not just audible to hot routes on the outside or to change a run play to a pass play or vice versa. They also know how to change the protections at the line of scrimmage. And I found that interesting because I've watched enough huddle film on both of these guys to see them basically take on getting waylaid by a blitzing free safety or a linebacker coming, you know, on the overloading one side of the field, knowing that they're going to get that throw down the field. So that means that they are sacrificing themselves so they know they can make this play one-on-one on the other side. So they have moxie, they have intellect, and they have wherewithal. And that is exactly the kind of guy that you want being your quarterback. And I think it speaks volumes that Riley offered Vandegrift in January because I also think it was much more important for him to do it. I don't necessarily think that it was making one more valuable than the other, although by yeah. default that's what it means. It's interesting to know how to read these guys because quarterbacks are weird. And I mean that in the best and the worst way, okay? <laughs> they're, they're just weird. You know, Baker Mayfield was an everyman, and that's what made him special, if you get my yeah. mind here. You know, Kyler's a little, he was a little, he's a little, he's Kyler, right? He, <laughs> you know, uh, you can say different, that, yeah. Landry Jones, same deal. Trevor Knight, same deal. Pat Mahomes in his catch-up fetish. You get where I'm going with this. They're just a little, yeah. but you got to be a little weird to play the position because you got to be obsessive about it. Like with Williams, he's been the starting quarterback at Gonzaga since he was a freshman in high school. Mm. At that yeah, level, no. that's unheard yeah. of. Yeah, he's really good. Um, for him not to have an offer, it, I mean, for one, it shows you just how sold Riley is on Brock Vandegrift, but for him to come out and visit without an offer, like I was saying, it's just crazy. And then, and then I thought it was interesting, something that, you know, Brock's dad, Greg, said, who's also his head coach um, at Prince Christian, said that he goes, look, if we don't commit soon, we understand that Riley's going to have to offer somebody else because it's a business. And at that point in time, Brock has got to be a big boy and mature about it because, and understand that you've kind of drugged them them along to the point to where they don't feel comfortable that you're going to end up choosing them and or they have to make sure that they have enough choices just in case that you don't choose them in the end and that's just just how it's going to go uh oklahoma has put up and put forth all this effort into brock and if he doesn't reciprocate in the near future things are going to have to be a little different and they fully expect caleb williams to get that offer as a matter of fact that's kind of their understanding of the situation. So uh, it, it's going to be either a Brock Vandegrift or a Caleb Williams type deal in the 2021 class for OU, and those are going to be the quarterbacks that go after one way or the other. You say that, and yet I can see how Vandegrift just waiting just a little too long can mess up the whole train. I oh, mean, it, it could screw up everything. I mean, because yeah. we're talking about Caleb Williams as if he does not have offers from Alabama, yeah, Georgia. Absolutely. Uh, LSU, like we're talking about Penn State, we're talking about him as if he is waiting on Vandegrift to make a decision. Yeah, he's a, he's at, but he's at Vandegrift's level. I mean, I don't, I would say Vandegrift's just, just because I've seen Vandegrift live, I guess. So I'm a little biased on that. Um, but he's one of the better quarterbacks I've seen in person, 
outside of Spencer Rattler. I mean, those two, and and I, I thought there were a couple guys in the 2019 class that were pretty good. Uh, more in particular, I thought uh, 2018 probably had, it was probably deeper, obviously, with Lawrence and all them, but uh, it, I don't know, man. I, I just thought that as far as just being able to put the ball in it just ball placement, Rattler was one of the best I've ever seen. And as far as arm strength goes, man, Vandergriff is up there. <laughs> He's special I, in I, that capacity. I, look, I I have a hard time categorizing Spencer among people who haven't seen him play. Like, just haven't seen him throw. Because yeah. he came out in what many said and continue to say is a weak quarterback class. Yeah. Like, like heading into the summer last and that's year what, yeah, at that's this what time, I was saying. Yeah. Spencer wasn't even a five-star. He earned that at the opening final. And then he came out as, you know, that dude. And I, I think Bo Nix might have actually ended up earning five-star. Yeah, guys. he did. Okay, there you go. So you And those, ironically, were the two best guys at the opening. It wasn't no. even close. Right. So there's that. And then there is trying to judge everything against the 2018 class, which not only had Lawrence in it, but also has Fields in it. And we're still going to— Yeah, it was ridiculous. many people that think that that dude is going to— push Ohio State back into the college football playoff at the expense of somebody because he's just that good. But in as far as Vandegrift being compared to Rattler, I wouldn't even take it there. I really think they're two different quarterbacks. They are. They're I, different. I, and I, yeah, think, different. I think that the way that they go about making plays is even different. I think Spencer's much more likely to load up and toss the ball as far as he can toss it. And I think that Vandegrift is much more likely to, to try to pick you apart in the middle of the field. This is actually going to be a really good comparison and a good comp when we're talking about the difference between, I think, what's going to be Rattler and, and could be Vandegrift is Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. Jalen Hurts is really yeah. great at making passes over the middle and in the, the intermediate passing game. I think that's a Vandegrift style of quarterback play, moving, moving to throw. And both Rattler and Kyler will load it up and drop it in a, in a shoebox 60 yards down the field. Yeah. No, I look, that is probably the one knock on Vandegrift is that his, his downfield isn't as accurate as his intermediate is, but he's still really good at it. Um, I watched it time and time again at this camp this past week, and he was dropping. Dimes. Is his I mean, arm still looping? What do you mean? He's Okay, so like his – his huddle shows a looping arm motion, just a little yeah, it's excess. Yeah, it's kind of like a wound, like a baseball. A little yeah, bit. some excess motion. I just a little bit. Uh, he throws a lot with his wrist. Like it looks like he's using a lot of arm motion, but if you watch it in person, it's no, a and lot I, of, I can, I can gather that, but just I'm talking yeah, about release time. Yeah, the the yeah. release though, like it's just it's not as snappy as it could be. Oh, that and that'll get that'll get worked out. Right. Um, just because he played baseball for so long. Um, but yeah, he's. This Relique Brown kid that was there as a 2022 kid was so fat. He ran a 4.29. Like, and for Brock Vandegrift to be able to throw it and him not outrun it is that shows you how strong his arm is. It's ridiculously strong. I I was shocked. And he's going to be like you were you were comparing like, and we were going to talk about you were talking about how they're different. The other thing that they're different is is obviously. Uh, Rattler's gotten bigger, right? Like he's he weighs two ten, right? But but Vandergriff is already a two fifteen natural kid. Like he's huge, and he's gonna be a guy that is gonna be able to throw it fifty yards down the field with a dude hanging on him because he's so big and strong. 
a la Jalen Hurts, like you said. Like that is who he's going to be. Uh, he's going to be very athletic, like you, and like you insinuated, he's going to be a guy that goes, okay, there's nobody open. I'm just going to barrel my way through everybody because he can. He was a wide receiver up until last year for his program. I mean that, and that's he's come on that quick. So I mean that that's how talented and athletic he is. They've also had really, really, really fortunate events happen for them here of late because the quarterbacks that I would expect to be getting picked up in the Big 12 to compete against Oklahoma haven't been coming to the Big 12. They've been going to the SEC. They've been going to the Pac-12. Like, I thought I thought for sure somebody in this conference would go get Jaden Daniels. He ends up at Arizona State. I thought for sure – Somebody in this conference would make a run at Bo Nix, even though he's a legacy, and that didn't happen. And I'm looking at A&M being in the SEC and having Jimbo Fisher over there, who I think is the second-best quarterback coach in college football today. And I was thinking, this just this morning, how good is it to be Oklahoma when not only do you have the best quarterback, the you haven't been challenged from a quarterback play standpoint. Like, we thought it was going to be Will Greer. Was it? You know, uh, we talked about Will Greer as a Heisman Trophy candidate to start last year. Was he? Mm. You know, uh, is yeah. Hard G really the pinnacle of Big 12 football outside <laughs> Oklahoma? Oh, my God. Charlie Brewer? Do people realize I'm the person that asked that question when he said the Hard G? I don't think a lot of people do. Uh, Ellinger with the Hard G. You, well, it's it's I mean, a Hard if, G. If we're going to tell that story, we're going to tell how pissed you were. I was hot. I was hot. I almost said. So the way this happened douche, was. This douche with a hard I'm, I'm, I'm going to. Big 12 Media Days last year. Uh, B gets up, microphone. He asked Tom Herman a question about Sam Ellinger. I asked about the QB room, and I said, y'all are young, but really, really talented and for the first time. It was a, a complimentary question. Yes. And Tom Herman went out of his way to say, first of all, it's Sam Ellinger with a hard G, and immediately I I'm like okay, so we're so we're bouncing on beat writers now. All right, cool. It's hard G for life, like that's just what it is. <laughs> so I've been running around yelling hard G since that day, but no, I don't think that anybody really knew that he was bouncing you off the floor, and I was like yo, and then and then we like. People wonder why the relationship between some players and some coaches and media is contentious. It's because of stuff like this. Yep. You use that podium as some sort of a lectern to pontificate from, and that's not what it needs to be. It could be a conversation. It could be a, hey, how are you? Because just being a nice guy up there makes you that much more likable and approachable, not just the media because nobody cares about us. But the people who are watching this thing live on Fox Sports 1, instead, you come off like you did, which was like you're, like a douche. Like, I get correcting the man. Okay, here's an example. Lon Kruger, routinely, especially when the team sucked, would get the stupidest questions asked to him by some people about the team because they're showing up because it's their job, not because they cover the team on a day-to-day basis. You know, the do the thing where you mispronounce a kid's name because you didn't take the time to look it up. You might be harried, whatever. And Lon would pick up your question and run with it. He would pick it up off the floor 
and make you feel that much worse for not having done your homework because he saved your life <laughs> with this question. <laughs> and it's a really difficult thing to get across to some people what a big deal it is to ask questions to some of these guys, even in a small setting, because you don't want to waste anybody's time. And you're being judged by the media around you who, in some cases, not just your acquaintances, they're your friends. And there are people who will not ask a question because they're afraid of looking bad or having Tom Herman bounce them off the floor. So for him to do that just underscores the value, one, of being the person who's willing to ask a question, and two, why some people just don't get the information that you, dear podcast listener, want. Because they're afraid. And, and that's why I'm go, I go out of my way to be like, all right, cool. You're going to make fun of us? Cool. We'll make fun of you. And then we'll see where that gets you. Because we, I mean, it, it's easy to be nice. I will go to war for Lon Kruger just because he's nice to everybody. Everybody does not have yeah. to be. No matter what the circumstance is, he's always kind. That is 100% fact. And then you have the kid that <laughs> did the upside or the inverted hook him getting the picture with the— uh, I didn't do that segment Simon. this morning. We're recording this on a Monday. I—come on, man. You asked to take a picture with Tom Herman just so you could troll him? Uh, I laughed. I mean, if that tells you anything, I laughed. And it you'll was funny. never get an offer. That, that was, you know, that was my first thought. I was like, the kid— And, and not just from good. Texas, by the and way. And he's good. Do you see him? Do you like he— He's got the side. He's a he's twenty twenty three, I think. Yep. And he's good. He's a good player. And his dad posted it. What are you yeah. thinking? Hey, hey, I'm hey. Look, I'm not I'm not here to do that. I I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny, and it made rivalries. I think it it just shows you where the rivalry is at. And and kudos to Tom Herman for being a good sport about it. Hey, you okay? That's look, being a good sport about it in front of us, but it, it reverberates. No, I'm these, sure. I'm sure coaches talk to mind. each other all the time. I don't think the kid cares. I, honestly, I, if I, if you're that hard, diehard of a fan, I don't, I, I don't think he cares, and I don't think they care. And I, I, that to me, I guess I'm okay with it. I, honestly, I, I'm like, okay, it's funny. I mean, look, I wouldn't recommend doing it. You but also got clowned by Tom Herman. I did. Okay, so, so like, I, there's a little, there's a okay. little, little <laughs> angst behind me. So I'm giving kudos to the kid. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Look, I I understand not wanting to be clowned, and I understand the propensity to clown. I got a radio show, right? But I also know to pick my spots, and I don't think that that the child picked his spots well. He's also a child, so you get that. I understand. You know, yeah, not I mean, yet. Look, he's it's fun. It was fun. You have to admit it was funny. Yeah, and then I thought about why that yeah, doesn't happen more cool. often. Well, you if you want to get an offer, there like, you go. Yeah. There I, you go. But is he really going to hold that against him later on in life? Like, yes, hell, he will. We are grudge. It's like one of the top five. We're talking about co- look, look. He went after Brew McCoy, and that's what you're alluding to. I get all of that. You know, knowing that Jake Smith is on campus and that dude is, we talk about white chocolate. We talk about Christian McCaffrey's, you know, distilled You talk spawn. about a dude that took shots at everybody. Jake Smith was taking shots left and right. Well, J- Jake Texas. Smith is also saying, you can't catch me. And you know what? He's right. It's true. <laughs> My God. Like, I've never been more giddy about watching a guy have an opportunity to return a kick or a punt return in high school. Never been more giddy. Like yeah, he he liked to talk. He liked to talk though. 
He talked, man. Well, look, and he's going to the right place because he didn't talk noise to Texas ever. No, that's true. Always wanted to be there. But my point here is the real-life consequences, not circumstances, the real-life consequences of what your actions lead to, the the high-valued recruit probably gets a bit more of that than most people think. Now, you're saying, you know, if he's a top-five recruit, is Tom Herman going to hold a grudge? No, he's going to recruit the hell out of him. But somewhere in there, I think there's a grudgeful bone in Tom Herman's body, and I think he has that for anybody that he feels slighted by because this is college football. And nice guys are finishing last every single year. I've seen Nick Saban burn kids. I've seen Nick Saban be the nicest guy in the world. Uh, I thought that Lincoln Riley burned Austin Kendall. I've also seen him ingratiate walk-ons and turn those dudes into world beaters. It all depends on the time, circumstance, and relativity of what's going on around you within your so-called environment. But as hard as it is to make a living in this industry, both as media and as a coach, yeah, they're holding grudges. They're holding grudges as soon as they they can enforce them. Because I believe people remember how you treat them forever and ever, which is why you and I are always trying to be kind to kids. You know, one, they're kids, and we're thinking – if that was my son, how would I want a recruiting writer, a staff writer, a college football writer to treat my son, right? One. Two, yeah. we're always having to make really interesting decisions about what to say and how to say it. Yeah. It, they, there's a lot of – I mean, we toe the line quite a bit on what we can and can't say on almost every podcast and every day on the board. We know more than we're allowed to say 99.9% of the time. And it is hard when a member asks you a question because your first thought and your first inkling is to answer them forthright. I mean, straight up, you're like, oh, well, I'll just be as honest as I possibly can. And, and But you have to also remember you can't burn people that have told you the, the sensitive stuff. And if you continue to do that, you're never going to have the information to provide for your members. So it's a, it's a, it's a fine line that we have to toe all the time. So I understand what you're saying. But it's also just common courtesy and manners yeah, and how you're brought up. So like, it's, it's literally, if somebody told you something well, in confidence, the kid was probably brought up, we're, 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 we can't say he wasn't brought up. It was, it was a joke. Oh no, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about us. Oh, okay. I no, I'm talking about us. No, I'm talking about what we say and how we say it. Um, yeah, that's true. Which is I another reason why I enjoy doing the interviews is because I don't actually have to paraphrase anything. You know, kid speaks for himself, and there's value in that, right? Because yeah. part of the reason I like doing that is because, one, I believe I can do it well. Two, uh, some kids want to flex, some kids don't. You know, and the idea of getting in front of a microphone, being on the phone, having people hear what you say and the way that you say it is valuable. Right, so yep. that's a that's another thing, because yeah, I wrote a story. It's got quotes in it, but hearing them say those words themselves, that is what people love and what they want to hear. Because there's no misconstruing what somebody said, you know. Yeah. Um, no. So like when we're talking on the board, we're just try, trying not to misconstrue what we were told, as opposed to B being like, okay, here's three pages in quotes. Have fun. Yeah, because when we do it on – I get what you're saying because I used to do that on my podcast all the time. I'd have recruits come on. I'd like two or three every podcast come on and let them just you know, speak their mind, and I'd have another 
coach or you know what what you know you remember how it used to be and that, that that's just how how you do it now on youtube is it it allowed people to actually hear what was written with their own ears and they can then interpret it themselves however they want to interpret it and it also write something we interpret it how we see fit and put it you know well that's part of writing right but but also you do the work to have an understanding of what what people mean as opposed to not just what they said because i've always said it's it's much more important how you say something than what you say right because like yeah if i if you go up to your puppy you say you were such a little pos you all they hear is you know you love me yeah, right? pretty much. Where if you yell at them, I love you so much, that, that comes off way different. And that's more or less what we're talking about. I think we're talking a little bit too much shop. But before we – let me see. I think we're – are we drinking good on time? Yeah, we got a little bit because I got to catch a flight to 247. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what do you think lies in wait over the next couple of weeks because you've alluded to something and – what do you think is left to be done on the offensive side of the ball, not named offensive lineman? Not named offensive lineman. Hmm. Obviously. Well, I guess I can start offense. Uh, you and I discussed this already. I think Oklahoma eventually will offer a flyer and take at, a flyer at quarterback. At quarterback. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have any, you know, reason to believe they wouldn't right now um i think it would be kind of crazy not to take a flyer uh just because i think i think if you took a flyer i think say brock vandergriff commits and you end up with taking a flyer i think they're going to be more understanding you getting a three star than accidentally landing a four star (laughs) so i mean you know what i mean like that that's going to go over a lot better um if you're talking about talent wise, cause they, they're going to want to come in and be the guy after Spencer Rattler. And that's kind of the plan right now. Um, but as far as wide receiver goes, maybe take one more. Um, and running back, we're done. I mean, when you're talking that instance, I mean, Oklahoma, uh, I don't think they can get any more. I mean, if they got a third, I think one of those two would probably go away. Absolutely. That that's that's the thing that I wanted people to – like I put up this video about Zach Evans basically trolling people when he you know, he retweeted. Uh, first it was Seth McGowan that retweeted Jace McClellan, and then he retweeted Seth McGowan retweeting Jace McClellan. And Zach is having a lot of fun. Like he's talking about, you know, I want to play with my buddy, and his buddy's at Georgia. He's also high on Alabama. Zach's having a good time, and I don't yeah. grudge him that at all. And I'm going to have fun with him having fun. That said, let's say for the sake of argument, you get a Zach Evans or a Kendall Milton, or you get a flip commitment of Chris Tyree to Oklahoma, all three guys that you would like to have. Seth McGowan or Jason McClellan's going to look at that and, and got to really think, okay, where am I in the pecking order now? I would say Jace more than Seth. Right, because Jace has been a five-star tailback since jump, and yeah. Jace has also and been he's... committed longer than anybody else in this 2020 yeah. class. So he would— Definitely take it hard, because I would take it hard. You know, you would take it hard. We just would. The problem, the problem is, is, is there going to be spots at that point in time? Well, hell, if everybody wants to keep telling me they ain't going to take a 2020 quarterback, then yeah, there is. That's true. I mean, you'd find it. I guess you would find a spot for Jason McClellan, but 
would he go? He he would have to be really. I know Texas would like him, but they're going to get Bijan Robinson here, and then you know, I guess by the end of the month, I would guess. Uh, that's just kind of what I'm hearing. Uh, I think he's so got to go through the opening, them. and then we'll see. I think that's what's probably going to what's going to happen. With what Bijan? Bijan? Yeah, I think he's going to make uh. it through the opening. Which, by the way, is at the end of the month into the first of next month for those of yeah, you that are. Uh, yeah, so people I talk to, think they think he'll be committed before that, but it, whatever. I mean, it's that's you're, you're talking about a couple of days in. But, yeah, it's Texas right now. If he, if, he's, if he was a pick, he's going to Texas. I think everybody knows that. Um, so then that leaves Georgia, which I think Kendall Milton will probably be at Georgia at this point. Um, I know they love him. So that would probably – I would say Zach Evans probably to Alabama. Or Texas. I don't care that Texas wasn't in his top four. I'm still calling it. <laughs> and why wouldn't Texas. he? He's from North Shore. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. You know, I mean, I think the Aggies thing is real. I, I genuinely believe that. But, yeah, I mean. You but know, he took some. I mean, talk about somebody that burnt a bridge. The shots that he took at Texas. Oh. Yeah, well, those, those were harsh. Now man. we get to see your well, well, you know, Tom Herman showed what he's willing to do if he thinks you can play. He will let you run roughshod over him and his program. Bruce yeah, McCoy. there, there literally is no pride. No, no, <laughs> he just wants to win. He and I, I respect that. I respect that if nothing else. You want, you need players to win. But how do you, how do you get up in front of the media after you've just dogged on the program? You commit, and then you go the first time you ever get in front of the media, the beat writers. They're going to hound your ass. Yeah, well, that. that's because you're a child and you threw, you know, the horns down next to oh. Tom Herman. Like, uh, seriously, like, it, you can see this play out. You and I see this all the time, all the time, which is why I try to go out of my way to tell everybody when I think I've talked to a really, really mature kid. You know, and yeah. that's why I was leading with Caleb Williams and Brock Vandergrift kind of dudes that they are. And Joseph Wetday was also another one of those guys. E.J. and Domo Ogar. You're getting quality guys. To come to Oklahoma, not just quality football players. Yeah, EJ's a good dude. And Joseph that stuff Wade, matters yeah. for those of you that really want to take issue with kids, you know, wanting to transfer out after a year or two years because they're not playing. And to be that mature also means that you have other things going on in your life. Football is not the end all be all. Yeah. You know, like I, I make a point of asking the kids, what else do you like to do other than play football? And yeah. if they don't have an answer, I wonder. I wonder, and that's you know it's that for me if I'm yeah that that football just defines them right through yeah then yeah you're probably gonna be a little less secure, have a little less identity. I'll say I'll say this. Um, speaking of mature, Brendan Walker, 2020 linebacker out of McGinnis. Now he visited Oklahoma last week. I know we were gonna talk. We talked about bringing him up. I figured that was a Good enough segue as any, uh, talking about maturity, because he is mature. Um, how he has handled everything has been mature. Now, he even told me today, he calls me today and he goes, Man, it was so much easier when I just had SMU in Eastern Michigan. <laughs> he goes, My life was so easy. He goes, But now that I'm an in state kid and I'm committed to Oklahoma State and I've taken visits to OU, people are all over me all the time. He goes, and everybody asks me if I feel the pressure. He goes, but I don't feel it because I just feel like, what pressure do I have in being honest to people? And I thought that was probably one of the coolest, most 
mature statements I've heard from a kid in a long time. What pressure do I have for being honest to people? I will never be ashamed of that. I mean, he's up front. The kid loves Oklahoma. He's going to Oklahoma State this weekend. I mean, he he says he wants to go there, but it's a pool party type deal. And but he, but he also ended. He goes, but I will be back to OU before the dead period starts. And when that happens, I'll make a decision. I mean, he he wants to see what Oklahoma State has to, to offer ac- academically because him and his mom said they haven't showed us the academic side of anything. They've only showed us the football side, where OU's shown the football and academic side. And they feel because he wants to be like a biochemical. Uh, engineer major. Uh, then Oklahoma told, State I mean, is me. the place. They, yeah, and uh, they should have been on top of that. Like my sister has a biosystems engineering degree from Oklahoma State. That's why I jumped uh, in there. I can't remember if it's biochemical or I can't. He told me it is. Well, if it's if it's a petroleum, if, if it's a style of well, petroleum engineering, you could end up at Oklahoma and be. If you end up at any one of the three major schools in Oklahoma, petroleum engineering, you're gonna yeah, be I think okay. Yeah, like ranked really, really high with that though. Well, yeah. my point is, you focus on what the kid wants to focus on. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing a good job. Yeah, and OU has really pushed their engineering program because it's top-notch, obviously. Uh, Didn't work for Jordan Thomas, though, and I'm going to throw that out there. Jordan Thomas showed up here to study mechanical engineering. Yeah, and he went somewhere else after that, shortly after. It's hard to play football and study engineering. Right. I mean, right. I mean, so I'm going to be interested I mean, to see be what, what Brendan does regardless of where he commits. But I, Yeah, but I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is OU's been, look, hey, look, man. This is what we offer, and we're really, really good at it. They, they actually put that – they made that a priority uh, to show him how good they were at engineering because they're one of the better schools in America when it comes to engineering. I mean, there's no there's no misconstruing that. And Oklahoma State is good at it as well. And he's shocked that they haven't you know, shown him all that. And, and like he said, look, man, I, I want to see that. But he goes, when I go back to Oklahoma, I want to see – the football side, I, I don't want to care. I don't care about the academics because I know when I go to OU, I'm going to get good academics. At Oklahoma State, I have yet to see it, and I don't know why they're not showing me the academics. So that's a, I mean, that's verbatim what he said. He goes, because my mom and I want to see this. And OU's done a really good job the past week or so of making his mom a priority in this because his mom is a major, major part of his life. And the relationship with his mom goes a long way recruiting brendan and that is going to be key throughout this whole process now are they to the point where she feels as comfortable with ou as she does with oklahoma state no because the relationship just started but i mean will it get better i can almost guarantee you it's going to get better and that would lend you to believe that ou is probably going to be kind of hard to hold off as this thing goes on if i guess if i'm making sense well, you're gonna have to because we gotta end the podcast there because okay. uh, I gotta I gotta get going. This is my fault. Feel free to blow me up and my mentors on the Boo. board. There you go. There you go. That is the man, Brandon Drum. I'm RJ Young. You can read our stuff at OUinsider.com where Brandon has you back to back to back every single day with VIP notes. Man, he's been working hard. He's showing up to camps. He's like, "Yo, RJ, can you come out?" I'm like, "Yo, man, uh, I, it's hot." And he'll be like, I'm out here in a boot. I'm like, yeah, 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 you are. Yeah, you are. All right, B, uh, appreciate it, man. All right, man, have fun and uh, enjoy corporate. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Bring a notebook. See you.